Hey, thanks for tuning in to today's message. If you don't know, we upload a brand new message every week. So make sure to go ahead and smash that subscribe button so you can stay up to date with all the new content here at Destiny Church. Before we jump into today's message, I've got to let you know that coming up on September 27th is Welcome Home Sunday. You're like, what in the world is that? It is the most important Sunday here at Destiny Church because that's the time when we shift our attention from those that call Destiny home to those who may not have found a relationship with God or found a community of faith to call home. There's going to be special elements, an experience for your kids, a message is going to be powerful, lives are going to be transformed. Here's the thing, you have friends or family or maybe it's even you that have not found a community of faith that's encouraging you, that's inspiring you and motivating you to be all that God has called you to become. The Bible says this life was never meant to be lived alone. You need family. So here's what I'm asking. If you're watching online, consider hosting a watch party. Gather those family, those friends, those, those people in your circle and say, hey, let's watch this together and watch God bring you together like never before. If you're in the Maryland area, pick a campus, pick a service, grab some tickets, grab your friends. I'm telling you, your life will forever be transformed. September 27th, welcome home Sunday. I'm pumped. Hey, let's jump into this message. Prepare your hearts, prepare your minds. Let's do it. The second Kings chapter seven, second Kings chapter seven. I have a message for you today as we start this series, fight or flight. Hey, Destiny Church at home, are you guys doing well? You, you may not know this for those of you in the room and maybe if you're even at home, but we have tens of thousands of people that are viewing our services every single week. There are literally thousands of more people that are joining online that are even in a physical building. And we just want you to know that you are not on the outside or spread away or whatever it may be. You are part of the Destiny Church family. And here's what I challenge you to do in this moment. Make your home make your living room a sanctuary. Don't, don't be cooking no eggs and flipping pancakes. You're in church. I don't even know why you got your pajamas on. Get out of bed, lean in, grab your Bible, grab some notes. I'm telling you, the presence of God is going to meet you right where you are. Matter of fact, even if you're in the room, if you're in Baltimore or online, just grab your phone really quickly and text somebody. Say, hey, join us on church. Join us on church. Go to, go to YouTube. Go to Destiny Church and see what God is doing. I'm telling you, God is spreading a message of hope like never before that people so desperately need in this season. Second Kings chapter seven, verse three, and it says this. Now, there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, and here's today's message, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine in the city, there's famine in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall only die. Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful for what you have done in this church over these nine years. God, we're grateful for your faithfulness, for your provision, for your joy, for the miracles that we have seen, God, over this season. But God, we know he who began a good work is going to be faithful to see it through to completion. 
God, I pray that you would (laughs) exceed our wildest expectations. God, I'm praying for every single person that calls Destiny Church home, the person that's been viewing for only nine minutes online and the person that's been here for nine years, God. God, our best days and our greatest days are ahead of us. Have your way in this moment, we pray in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. So it's the fifth round. Two boxers have been slugging it out for the last 40 minutes. Both are exhausted. Both have traded punches, have gotten some good shots in, but have taken some shots. I don't know if you're a boxing fan. I don't know if you're squeamish and you're just like, oh, it's violence. I don't like violence. They're getting paid $10 million for that violence. They're going to be okay. One of the boxers takes a shot across the jaw, and he drops to the ground. The other boxer goes to the corner, and the referee's there. You've seen it. He begins the 10 count. One, two, three, four, five. That boxer on the ground has 10 seconds to get up and to continue fighting. And if he can't get up in those 10 seconds, he's disqualified. Can you just imagine being that boxer? You're on the ground. You're, 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 you're sucking for oxygen. You're, you're exhausted. The, the room is spinning. You're dizzy. And, and it's like all you can hear is the beat of your own heart. And you're faced with the decision of, can I win this fight? Is it worth getting up? In that moment, you have three choices in front of you. I I, I stay down and I accept defeat. I get up and I continue to fight, even though I'm not quite sure if I can win this battle. Well, Pastor, you only have two decisions. You either stay down or you get up. No, there's a third decision. The third decision is I make no decision. I just sit here and do nothing, and I let the counting of the referee make the decision for me. Because one of the things that we don't realize is indecision is a decision. Question for you. You're that boxer's coach. You're in their corner. You've trained them. You know what they're capable of. You've studied their opponent. You've spent months and months and months preparing your fighter for this moment. You see them on the ground going through this decision. I have a question for you. What advice are you going to give them? What What are you going to tell them? Are you going to tell them you've taken enough, you've done well, you you are faithful for five rounds of a 12-round fight, this is good, give up, it's all over? Or are you going to tell them, get up, get back into the ring, there's a bell coming that you're going to be able to breathe and rest and drink some water and get back into the fight? No, no, you're going to tell them to get up, am I right? Why? Because they're a fighter. They wouldn't be called fighters if they weren't supposed to fight. And it wouldn't be a fight if you didn't get knocked down once in a while. You'd be screaming at them, trying to encourage them, trying to motivate them, say, hey, get up. It's not over yet. It's not over till it's over. And let me tell you, it's not over. You still have a chance. Here's the thing that crossed my mind as we're preparing for this series. Many of us, I dare say most of us, don't see ourselves as fighters. 
We have a few boxers in the church, and they'll tell me about the seasons of preparing and the regiment that they'll go through and the, the eating routine and all that, all for one day, all for one big fight. Most of us don't see ourselves as fighters. But the reality is we're all in the fight of our lives every single day. All of us are fighting for hope, for joy, for encouragement in the midst of a year that seems like it could not be a worst year. Many of us are fighting for our relationships, fighting for the salvation of a child. We're fighting for our career. We're fighting for our health. We may not even realize it, but every single day of your life, you are in the fight of your life. Here's the thing. God always saw you as a fighter. Remember the story of Gideon? Gideon, who, who came from the smallest tribe, and he was in the most insignificant family of the smallest tribe. And God sent an angel to Gideon, and he said to Gideon, get up, you mighty warrior. And Gideon said what a lot of Christians say. Who, me? Me? What did you talk about, Willis? <laughs> mighty warrior? I'm not a mighty warrior. I've only been saved three months. I'm not a mighty warrior. If you've known all the mistakes I've made, all the sin in my past, all, all the things that I'm ashamed of, here's the thing. God's known you were a fighter long before you ever knew you were a fighter. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, it says this, fight the good fight for all you pacifists. I don't believe in fighting. You know, I just believe in peace. Well, God told you to fight. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Holding on to your faith is not a cakewalk. It's not easy like Sunday morning, the dumbest song I've ever heard in my life. There's nothing easy about Sunday morning, by the way. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I have an apology to make to you on behalf of a lot of pastors. You know, at the end of our service, and we're going to do it today, we've done it every Sunday from the beginning of Destiny Church. Maybe you've been in churches where people will walk the altar, or maybe you've been in a Bible study where somebody asks you, do you know Jesus? But, but over and over and over again, as pastors, as Christians, we're trying to introduce people into faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says if you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord of all, that you will be saved, become adopted into his family, be a child of God. Part of the problem and part of my confession is we're not being completely honest. You know, when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord of your life, in that moment, your sins are forever erased. As far as the east is from the west, he will remove every sin you've ever committed. You are a child of God. Your eternity in heaven is secure, but it's not that simple. It's not just like, man, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, and I just wait to die and go to heaven. When you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord of all, what you've also done is you've signed up for the greatest fight eternity has ever seen. Like it or lump it, that's the moment where you get some supernatural gloves put on and they tape you up and they get that Vaseline and they put it all over your ears. I don't know what the Vaseline is for. Is it supposed to make the punches like slide off or whatever it may be? And they rub your gloves and the referee says, are you ready to go in? And I can just imagine some Christians, go where? Go in where? What? Huh? What are we doing? You just entered the greatest fight of your life. 
over these next four weeks, we're, we're going to be preaching a series called Fight or Flight. And honestly, here's my heart behind this series. My heart is to get the fighter back in you. My heart is to get a little bit of aggression back in you. My heart is to spur you to a place so many people, whether it's this pandemic in 2020 or the fact that your marriage hasn't turned the way that you wanted it to or your finances or a relationship or whatever it may be, so many people you've stopped fighting. You've just surrendered to the year. Surrender to your circumstances. Surrender to what's going on around you. Maybe you own a business and you just had these goals and these dreams of expansion and doubling your, 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 your footprint in your community. And, and after April and May and June and July of negative, 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 negative report, you're starting to think, I'll just wait till next year. The devil is a liar. Don't you dare rock back. Don't you dare settle. Don't you dare say, I'll wait it out. There is a fight that has already been won, but it's waiting for you to engage. As we were studying this passage of these four lepers locked outside the wall, it's an interesting story. Israel at the time in this nation of Samaria, they, they had turned their back on God. They had made a decision that we're self-sufficient, that we don't really need God, that we have everything that we need. We have money, we have education, we have influence, we have relationships, and we are all the way good. There is a way that life just humbles you and just lets you know no matter how good you have it, no matter how in control you are, you are not God, which means you are not really in control at all. The Assyrian army came and they besieged Samaria. They came around the wall and the siege is basically where we don't want to fight you because we know that you can't beat us. We're just going to starve you out. So they surrounded the wall of Israel and, and they said, hey, when you are out of food, that's fine. Just come out of the wall and then we'll kill you all and take your nation. How many people like those options? It was so bad. If you read backwards in, in, in 2 Kings chapter 6, they had turned to cannibalism. They had ran out of food and they were beginning to eat one another. And they said that the economy was so bad. What, what used to be cheap and inexpensive was now a delicacy and the most expensive thing in the city. The king had torn his clothes, was wearing sackcloth because he knew the count was going down. It was eight, nine. It was only a moment until they were out. Now, these four lepers, they were in a different situation. They weren't inside the wall. They were outside of the wall. Because the leprosy at the time was an incurable, contagious disease. It was a skin disease where, where you would have boils all over your body. You would lose all sense of feeling and nerves and, and, and you would end up dying a slow and painful and a grotesque death. And, and you were an outcast from your community. You couldn't be around family. You couldn't go to church. You couldn't be around anything. So many people feel that way. Maybe not physically, but spiritually. You're around people physically, you're seeing people, you're smiling, but there's a sickness in your heart based on some mistake that you hope no one ever finds out about. There's a sickness in your heart based on a mindset of fear, based on abuse that you've been through or whatever it may be, and you're around people physically, but you feel so distant and so separated and so pushed away. For these lepers, <laughs> it was the two-hit combo. 
It wasn't just that we were under siege. You know, it's bad to be under siege, but at least if you're under siege, you're inside the wall. They weren't just under siege, but they were wasting away based on the disease in their body. Can you write this down for me? There is no sense in dying here. There is no, it, it just makes no sense to die here. I, I can't imagine the conversation that these lepers had. They, they, they sat around their campfire and they said, this, this is really bad, guys. You know, sometimes we say this is bad, but it's like Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. This is bad. No, no, no. This is like really bad. Like, like we have an army surrounding us that, that there's no way we can survive. We're dying of leprosy. There's death around us. There's death in us. This is really bad. But I love their thought process. They said, why sit here until we die? I know we're social distancing. You can't high five your neighbor, but just look at somebody. Come on now. Type it in the chat room. Tell somebody, bust a move. Come on, tell somebody, bust a move, bust a move, bust a move, bust a move, bust a move. I don't know if you talk like that. I don't even know if that's a phrase anybody uses, but just say it one more time. Somebody say, bust a move. But here's what the lepers would tell you if they were here. Move. Whatever you do, don't just sit there and wait for fate to take you out. Why in the world would we sit here and die? What they were saying is it's time to fight. It's time to make a decision. One of the things so many of us are, are trapped in a position of indecision, not realizing that our indecision is already a decision. Maybe you find yourself drowning in debt and, and, and your finances are not going in the direction that you want them to go. But instead of trying to get a hold of it, instead of trying to find wisdom and try to do something, you just ignore it. You just pretend like, you know, I paid the rent, paid the mortgage, and, and we're good for another month. So we're just going to keep on kind of pretending like that's not going on. Maybe you're married and, and you haven't had a conversation about finances in months because every time that you do, you, you get in that argument. You know what I mean. And it goes back to my mama told me not to marry you and all this other kind of <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> the lepers would tell you, why sit here and die? Why in the world are we just going to sit here and wait for fate to take us out? You know, there are certain stories that have a statue of limitations. You know what I mean? There's, there's ratchet stuff in your past that, it's actually a funny story, just not quite yet. You know, you know come on now. I'm going to tell that story about freshman year in college when I'm about 50. <laughs> You know, I don't know, I'm turn your front row. I don't know how long they could still arrest you from your past, but we're going to wait for that time. I got some of those stories at Destiny Church, and I'm, I'm waiting for the statue of limitation to pass before I can tell all of those stories. There's one story that I've been holding on for a while, and then, uh, I think enough time has passed that I can tell this, but a lot of people don't know, but I came to a season as the pastor of this church where I was getting ready to give it up where I just ran into a place where I was convinced that maybe this is as far as I can go. This is all that God has to do through my life, and, and I need to figure out something else to do. 
It was between the third and the fourth year of our church. For the first year, if you don't know the story of Destiny Church, it's a church that my father pastored for 15 years. It was called New Life International Fellowship Church of God. I, I was a worship leader at the church and the youth pastor, and God did amazing things. So many people got saved, and then I became the pastor in 2011. And when I became the pastor, there was about 50 faithful members that were believing God to do something great. We joined an organization called ARC, the Association of Related Churches, which is a church planting organization. By the way, because of your giving in accordance with 900 other churches, there are 32 brand new churches that are launching today across this nation in the middle of a pandemic. Somebody say fight. We're not waiting for 2021. We are going at it right now. So we connected with that organization. They coached us through how to launch a church. And on September 11th, 2011, with 50 people believing and praying and fasting, 331 people showed up on that launch day of Destiny Church. It was Destiny Harvest Church back then. 27 people gave their life to Christ that first Sunday. My, my favorite part of the story is I always say it this way, through my expert leadership, you got to understand there's John Maxwell and then there's Stephen Chandler. I am a phenomenal leader. Why are you laughing? <laughs> from that first Sunday, our church grew from 331 people to 70. In nine weeks, by the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we were down to 70. I said, oh my Lord, this is gonna be the fastest church close in the history of the world. <laughs> Little did I know when a brand new church launches, all the family and friends and well-wishers, they come on that first Sunday, and then it kind of tapers off, and you have the people that are really calling that place home that stay. Also, little did I know that the Sunday after Thanksgiving is the lowest attended Sunday of the year because everybody's traveling, seeing family. 60% of the church was college students at the time, and they had all gone home. And I'm here pulling out my hair. God says, no, that's okay. I got this. By January, we were 150 people. And we added about 100 people every single year for the first three years. But year three, the church just plateaued. It just wouldn't grow. Year four the church plateaued. Year five, it didn't matter how good I preached or how bad I preached. Uh, you, it's a statute of limitations. I, I thought Baltimore was the problem. So we went and we launched a campus in Laurel saying, hey, we just need to get out of time. Ichabod, the glory has departed. We're going to go to another place. <laughs> this is, you see, you got to give some time to these stories. So we launched a location in Laurel, and guess what? The church that was in Baltimore just split. Half went to Baltimore, half went to Laurel, but it did not grow one person. <laughs> we just split the two services in two different cities. And I began to think, this is about as far as it's going to go. Can I be honest with you? I got tired of waiting. I had the dream that God had placed in my heart, the dream of seeing a region transformed but my reality didn't line up with my dream. And I began to think, man, maybe I could be a lot more effective on somebody else's staff than giving this church away. And we were, we were deep into discussions of, hey, let's just give this church to another church, become a campus. And actually, right before making that decision, I just felt a check in my spirit. It's as if the Holy Spirit said, why die here? 
Why are you going to end it here? Maybe the divorce papers have already been drafted. You've already put the house on the market. You've made your decision. We're going our separate ways. Why die here? Maybe you've been given a terminal diagnosis and the doctors say, hey, make your peace with God. There's not much we can do for you. Why die here? By the way, they told my mom that. And she lived for another 13 years when they gave her three months to live. Why die? The lepers just made a decision. Hey, we're not going out like that. Anybody grateful that we didn't die in the fourth year of Destiny Church? The second thing I want you to write down is this. There's nothing to lose but breakthrough. There is nothing to lose but breakthrough. And you're gonna gonna find I'm an inspirational pastor, but I'm also a very practical pastor. Can I give you these lepers' thought process of how they decided not to surrender? Because some of you, you're just like, Pastor, I'm inspired, I'm excited. Here's the problem. When I go back to that job, back to that marriage, back to that health crisis, back to that teenager, back to whatever I'm going back to, my reality is telling me to quit more then your preaching is telling me to stick in the fight. Well, here's what the lepers said. They said, here's how they made their decision. Okay, We, we, we have three options. We can stay where we are and wait this out. We can go back into the city, or we can go forward and see what the Assyrians are doing, see if there's some way we can live that way. But here's how they ruled it out. If we go back into that city, we will die. For two reasons. They have no food, so they're starving to death. Plus, we are lepers, so they will kill us if we try to go back into that city. I feel I'm going to get in trouble, but I don't care. I feel like leprosy is like coronavirus right now. Like, stay away from me. I was actually with Dr. Maxwell this week, and we, we flew to another city, and I was on this commercial flight, and, you know, whole deal, did the whole deal. Had the mask, the gloves, sanitizer. It was safe. I mean, there's hardly anybody flying at this moment, but I'm on this plane, and, and it's like 20% filled. And y'all, somebody sneezed on the plane. <laughs> and listen to me, you would have thought they were trying to take over the plane. Put that back in. I mean, it was like... I felt for that person's safety. (laughs) Y'all laughing because you're the one that would have taken them out. (laughs) We know what it's like to be just, and here's what they said. If we go back into that city, we're going to starve to death. So going back is not an option. One of the greatest temptations while you're waiting is to go back. I'm waiting for the spouse that God sent me, but they're not here yet. Let me go see what my ex is up to. Come on now. Can we talk for a moment? I'm waiting for this business that God put on my heart to take off the way he told me it would. But I'm so tempted to go back to my old job that I was miserable at. So tempted to go back to that old addiction that old vice that I know was detrimental to my mental health, but my goodness, did it smother the pain and the fear inside of me. Can, can I be your pastor for a second, Destiny Church? 
And I'm talking particularly to people that are at home right now. There's about 50% of our church that has not come back into physical gathering, and you don't need to come back. There's a health concern. There's a health crisis. There's a tangible concern there. Maybe you're asthmatic or whatever it may be. And hear me, your health is paramount. But there's about 50% of y'all that ain't come back. That ain't got nothing to do with COVID. Can I talk about it for a second? You just went back. You went back to the apathy that God pulled you out of. You went back to the bitterness, to the offense, to this, to the distraction of life. And here's the thing that we don't think about in terms of going back. I'm going back to my old friends, back to my old church, back to my old job, back to... If back had what you needed to sustain you, you wouldn't have left in the first place. There's something about waiting that confuses our reality. Do you, you remember that moment when, when Israel was, was on the verge of the Red Sea and the Egyptians were behind them and the sea was in front of them and, and they were getting ready to die? Here's what they said. They, they said in Exodus chapter 13, verse 6, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord back in Egypt, when we sat by pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. They said, Moses, why did you bring us out into this wilderness to die at the hands of the Egyptians to starve? It would have been better if we died as slaves in Egypt of old age. At least we had pots of meat and bread. Can I, can I help you out a little bit? Y'all, they were slaves. There was no meat. There was no bread. They were fed scraps, but here's what happened. The misery of waiting brought amnesia. And they forgot that what God had brought out of them was killing them. And that what he brought them, here's what we forget. What we came out of was the greatest miracle of last year. Here's something to write down. Don't make God do the same miracle twice. Come on now. Because the first time's deliverance. The second time's delusion. The first time I didn't know no better, I was born into this. I was set up for this. Somebody showed me that magazine. I was 12. I didn't know what I was doing. Come on now. But you ain't 12 anymore. You're a grown man with the Spirit of God in your life. You're a grown woman, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, I'm not going back. Here's how they made their decision to go forward. Because they said, if I go back, what's behind me doesn't have enough resources to sustain me. And if I stay here, leprosy is an incurable disease. So the only option I have, one of my favorite books ever is a book called Good to Great. It's a business book. If you've never read it, just, just read it. If it's boring, you'll survive, but, but it, it has a lot of principles in it that are bigger than just business. Basically, what it's talking about is the difference between a good company and a great company. And it begins to list good companies like Blockbuster, like Circuit City. Y'all remember Circuit City? Some of y'all so young, you're like, Circuit, what? 
Come on out, like Kmart. There are a couple others that are on life support right now. And they said, here is the lifespan of a good company. For the first 10 years, it's exponential growth. And then after 10 years of exponential growth, they get afraid of losing the market share that they've gained. So for the next 10 years, they just work on holding on to what they have and not losing anything. It's called plateau. And then for the last 10 years of that company, it's 10 years of decline. Because there's no such thing as staying where you are. There's no such thing as plateau. You're either taking ground or you're losing ground. By the way, just for fun, do you know that Blockbuster had the opportunity to purchase Netflix? (laughs) Who is the fool? (laughs) I said, no, that's a bad idea. Nobody's want to pay for internet to watch TV. It's just never going to work. Somebody say plateau. If I go back, it can't sustain me. If I stay where I am, I'm going to die. My only choice is forward. Hmm? My only choice is forward. My only choice is forward. My only choice is forward. How do I make a decision to fight when I realize I don't really have a decision? All I have is a destiny, and it's in front of me. It's not where I am, and it's not where I was. So the only option I have is to go forward. Last thing is this. Write this down. The battle, the battle's already over. So press forward to verse 5. It says this. So they arose at twilight. To go to the camp of the Syrians. Mind you, they were playing. Here's what they said. They said, let's go in and see if they're going to be nice to us. Y'all, we're talking about four people, four weak, diseased people against over 300,000 trained professional killers. You see, you got to have a little bit of crazy in you to step into your miracle. They said, hey, let's see what's going to happen Best case scenario, they keep us alive. Worst case, we dead anyway. Only thing they're going to do is put us out of our misery. So it says this, and when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. The Lord, somebody say the Lord. The Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of the chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore, they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. Watch this. They get into the camp and y'all, there was nobody there. The greatest army ever had run for their lives. You know me, I just have a sense of humor that's just kind of struck me. Here is an entire nation locked up in the city out of fear of an army that does not exist. It looked like the army was still there because there were tents as far as the eye can see. 
There were battle horses and there were spears and all this other kind of stuff. It looked like they were surrounded, but the reality was there was no enemy out there. And here they are locked up in fear. I'm just wondering how many people are locked up in fear when there's no enemy out there. You're living an isolated life because you're afraid of rejection. I'm not jumping in your connect group because if someone got close to me and they realized how jacked up I was, man, they'll break my heart again. You're afraid of an enemy that doesn't even exist anymore. Says those four lepers went in and can you, y'all, it was, it was harvest season. They said they ate to their stomach's content. They were grabbing all the gold and all the silver. They had one of the greatest victories and the greatest, just the greatest moments and the greatest miracles in their life because they dared to move forward. Here's what happened. The Bible says that the enemy heard a sound from the Lord of a mighty army and they assumed it was over and they ran for their life. If only as believers we could realize, I am living under the sound of heaven. I am living under the rolls of thunder that God is sending. I am living under his words that he spoke on the cross when he said, it is finished. Don't you understand for every diagnosis from a doctor, there is, it is finished. By my stripes, you have been healed. For every job lost, there is the words of heaven that is ricocheting throughout eternity, that I am your provider. For every broken relationship, there's the words of heaven that's ricocheting, that I hold the hearts of kings in my hand, that I take hearts of stone and I turn them to flesh. If if we could only understand that there's been a better word spoken over our life than the word of the enemy. That the words that the blood of Jesus speaks are words of victory and not defeat. Are words of being the head and not the tail, being above and not beneath. You can't lose. You can't lose. can't lose. Me and my wife, we watch movies and she's really annoying when we do. Because she assumes I've seen every movie. Most of them I have. She's one of those, just like, oh! What's gonna happen? I'm like, babe, calm down. He don't die here, he dies later. <laughs> don't worry, they're gonna make it to the end. Because I've seen the end of the movie. Hear me, Destiny Church. I have seen the end of your movie. And you win. You win. I wish I had time to explain to you why you win. Can I explain really quickly? Remember the disciples in the boat, boat sinking, storm, Jesus, don't you care? They're not that bright. We're not that bright. The boat wasn't going to sink. Why? Because Jesus was in it. And the Bible doesn't say that he died for our sins in a boating accident. <laughs> I read the whole thing. I never saw that. He didn't die for my sins. It's not the lamb that was slain on the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> he had to go to the cross because he had to grow. He couldn't die there. Don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God is inside of you, and he can't lose. And because he can't lose and he's in you, 
You can't lose. All right, let's finish this message. Verse 9, and we'll end this one. Don't, somebody say, don't miss this. This is our anniversary message, okay? Somebody say, anniversary message. Come on, somebody type it, anniversary message. The, the, what, we were driving to church today, and my wife said, do you have a word for the church in our ninth year? Here's the word, don't miss it. Somebody say, don't miss it. You ready? Four lepers that were about to die five different ways. Then they said to one another, we're not doing right. Come on, let's speak to Destiny Church right now. Let's say this, we're not doing right. Come on, it's hard to hear, it's hard to hear, it's hard to hear. But all transformation starts with a hard truth. We're not doing right. This is a day of good news and we remain silent. If we wait until morning, if I had time to explain, morning represents the return of our Savior. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. This is a word to the church. Now therefore come, let us go and tell the king's household. Here's what these four lepers understood, that we've walked into the greatest victory that our nation has ever experienced, but we're the only ones who know about it. And it's not good that we're keeping this victory to ourselves because there's a whole nation that is still locked up in fear because they don't know about the victory that their savior has won for them. We have to go back and tell them because if the sun rises, we're gonna be punished. Hear me, as a follower of Christ, you are walking in victory. You are walking in abundance. You are not beneath, you are above, you are the head. You are not the till, you are healed, you are not sick, you are prosperous, you are not broke. You have all that you need for life and for godliness, but we can't keep this victory to ourselves because I have family members that are still locked up in fear. You have co-workers and neighbors. What's the next nine years of Destiny Church going to look like? <laughs> what the first nine years looked like? that I'm not keeping this victory to myself. My salvation is not just about me and my kids being blessed. Never was and it never will be. It's about telling every single person possible. You don't have to be locked up anymore. The enemy that you see is already defeated. Your victory is guaranteed. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful. God, you are the God that fights our battles. You're the God that brings victory in every circumstance. God, I pray over every single person right now, that person that, that's been knocked down, that person that, that's discouraged, that's depressed, that's hopeless, that's, that's making a decision right now to throw in a towel. God, I pray right now that you would encourage them, that you would give them hope, that you would open their eyes to see that the victory has already been won in you. Where we are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, whether you're online in Baltimore, in Columbia right now, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. I have a simple word for those of you that have never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Today's the day that you unlock your heart. Today is the day that you come out and you step into all that God has for you. You hear me? You're going to starve where you are. You can't go back. It wasn't good for you in the first place. 
The only option you have is to go forward in all that God has for you. If that's you, say, Pastor, I'm going forward into Jesus. I want all that he has for you right where you are. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm coming after you. Thank you for dying on the cross so that all of my sin, my leprosy, my mistakes can be healed, can be erased. Today, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are the Lord of my life. I surrender all that I am to you. My Lord, be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church, can you celebrate for every single person that just made the greatest? Thanks again for tuning into this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.